0: We've talked a lot about prayer and our Discovering the Dynamics of Prayer series. And today we're just going to chat about what we've learned. So settle down and we'll begin this last session in our series in just a minute. the series, Discovering the Dynamics of Prayer. What are dynamics? Well, in mechanics, dynamics refers to the movement of objects and the forces that drive that movement. In music, the term refers to crescendos and diminuendos or changes in volume or the variation in loudness between notes or musical phrases dynamics convey the mood of a piece of music family dynamics refers to the patterns of interactions among relatives and the various factors that shape those interactions and the dynamics of prayer prayer is the force that moves the hand that moves the universe that's a powerful position isn't it It releases the power of God for the purposes of God and it moves heaven to earth. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is serious. Sometimes prayer may be just loud praise or it may be a desperate crying out to the Lord. Other times it might be just quiet and reflective, pensive, just being still in God's presence. We've looked at various factors that shape these interactions with God that we call prayer. Prayer is talking to Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, of any universe, of all universes. God is our Father if we have been born again by faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are members then of his kingdom. We are children of God. As his child, we talk with him. And we have to learn to talk with him and ask him for things his way. That's what this study has been about. We've learned some things that God God expects of us, that God expects of prayer. And so we must pray God's way. But there is a lifetime of learning how to do that, how to commune with him, how to pray prayers that get powerful answers. Prayer is an exciting privilege. It's also a great responsibility. For me, one of the most enlightening truths in our study is realizing that God wants us to pray he wants us to pray he waits for us to pray you know sometimes we might think oh he's God he can do anything he wants to whenever he wants to do it and what difference would my prayer make he's going to do his thing anyway why why am I doing this what is this about well I might think I might ask but I don't know if I can change God's mind Well, now because of our study, we know that prayer is not about getting God to change his mind. It is about communion with him. It is about learning to know God's thoughts. It is about getting to know him. It is about seeking his heart and letting him change and mold our hearts and our minds and our behaviors to be like his, to be like Jesus. It is part of our becoming like Jesus to be able to commune with God, to learn from Him, to let Him change our minds, change our thought patterns. And so I guess one way to say this in our culture is we're buying into Him. We're putting into Him and we're receiving from Him. So we are a part then of who God is and what He's doing. The fact that God waits for us to pray struck my own heart uh, in one of our early lessons when God was about to judge Judah in Ezekiel chapter 22. Do you remember that? God said He looked for someone to pray. He looked for an intercessor for Judah. God said, I looked for someone to stand in the gap, but I found none. I looked for someone to stand between God and judgment in prayer. And God said, I couldn't find anybody. Now, that's a contrast to earlier history when God was about to judge Israel. And he looked for someone to pray, to stand in that gap for Israel, and he found Moses. Moses was willing to do that. And so Israel received God's mercy as Moses prayed while Judah received God's judgment when God couldn't find anybody to pray. That stirs my heart. It tells me a lot about our responsibility of prayer, not just praying for a nation, but praying for other people, praying for a church, praying for government, praying for schools, someone, someone standing in the gap. You know, Samuel said, In 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Now, that in itself could be a whole lesson, okay? But here's Samuel. Saul is about to become king. So Israel has rejected God as their king. They have basically rejected Samuel as their prophet and priest. And all of the roles that Samuel had in the life of the nation of Israel. And they wanted to be like other nations. So God gave them Saul. But even in those circumstances, Samuel said, I, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. Not sin against you, but sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So Samuel knew that relationship with God. Prayer is a way of life. It's a way of life. Uh, Sometimes we just let it be an activity, but prayer is not meant to be an activity. It's meant to be a way of life, a lifestyle. Jennifer Kennedy Dean calls it a praying life, a praying life, a life of ongoing and continual interaction with God. Andrew Murray said, Answered prayer is the interchange of love between the father and his child. When prayer is a way of life, we pray all different kinds of prayers at all different kinds of times. Prayer is the breath of a Christian's life. Constant prayer maintains the fullness of spiritual life. It demonstrates dependence on God, which as believers, that's what we established when we were saved. We are dependent on God for everything. It shows a recognition of who God is. When I pray, it says that I understand who God is, that He is the sovereign one, that He is Father, that that I can commune with Him. And that's the third thing prayer is, it's communion with Him. A praying life, is a constant God consciousness, God consciousness. Prayer, let's just say that it's always on the tip of your heart or on the tip of your mind. It may always be on the tip of your lips, but sometimes we don't have all prayers spoken. So what happens is that if a thought or a worry runs through your mind, then it's just going to be transformed into a prayer that's brought before him. We're conscious of that. Um, I guess I was thinking earlier today about God consciousness. We have a new baby in the family. It's been the first new baby in 30 years. So we've made some adjustments, but here's what happens. We are baby conscious. And when the baby is in the house, we are aware that he is there. We listen for him. We watch out for him, and even though we may be doing something else, he's on our minds. We're conscious that he's there. We're conscious that we need to take care of him, listen for him, interact with him. So think about God consciousness. I'm conscious that he's there. I'm conscious that his presence is with me. I'm conscious that he is wanting me to, to commune with him as a loving father. Now that's hard for some people because everybody's not had a loving father. And I've had people say to me, I don't like it when you call God father. Well, God is a different kind of father. He is a faithful father. He is a loving father. He is an attentive father. He is one who will never leave you or forsake you. So ask God to show you a picture of his fatherhood, the father heart of God what he can do what he is wanting to do how he's wanting to commune with you so when are we to pray and how often are we to pray well what is the frequency of prayer is what some people would say that just in my mind means how often are we supposed to pray well we know that sometimes just in our prayer activities i might pray when I get up in the morning, or I might pray before a meal, or I might play, pray when I go to bed at night. But, but what does Scripture say about the frequency or the, the, the time or how often we need to pray? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, two words. They are an important instruction from God to us. 1 Thessalonians 5:17, two words say this. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. Well, all through the New Testament, we see phrases like praying always, praying at all times, praying on all occasions, not just in a crisis. Pray. So, in this God consciousness that we're developing, then we're developing a prayer consciousness. It's just something that's around us, it's in our minds. And so, when you're walking with the Lord, like that you're getting to know him better and better and better and as we get to know him better as we get to know his word better as we learn how to pray better you know what it's hard not to pray it is very difficult not to pray at all times when you're walking with the lord because he's on your mind he's there he is involved in what you're doing his fingerprints are all over whatever it is you're into at the moment So all of our knowledge of God leads us to prayer. The more we learn of God, the more we learn of his word, it's just the next sensible thing to do. We pray, we talk with him. Um, There are all kinds of prayers, aren't there? I started kinda trying to make a list of kinds of prayers. There are public prayers and private prayers. There are spoken prayers and silent prayers there are loud prayers, and sometimes there are quiet whispers to God. Sometimes you might just pray to God under your breath kind of thing. There are planned prayers, organized, prepared, but then there are spontaneous prayers where you just talk to God. There are general prayers and there are specific prayers. There are prayers of Thanksgiving, their prayers of praise, their prayers of petition, their prayers of confession, all kinds of prayers. Some people ask about the posture of prayer. There are some people who say that you should always kneel when you pray. Well, that's a good thing to do, it shows us as who we are before the Lord and there's a really good thought in that. But now some of us, when you get to be senior adult, the kneeling becomes a distraction instead of a submission. Maybe your knees hurt. And I'm going to tell you, I know about the fact that sometimes before you go down, you need to be thinking of how it is you're gonna get back up. You know about that? Are you there yet? But some people say you always have to kneel when you pray. Well, if you search the scriptures cover to cover, you're gonna find people praying in every conceivable position possible. It's fascinating. Sometimes you see people praying kneeling. Sometimes you see them praying standing. Sometimes you see them praying sitting. Sometimes you see them praying lifting up holy hands. And mind you, it says holy hands. It's not just lifting hands because you're excited. Lifting up holy hands. Sometimes we pray lying on one's face. Sometimes that's my favorite. Lying on one's face or lying on one's back. Get this, Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale. What kind of position do you think he might have been in inside the belly of a big fish? So all kinds of prayer in all kinds of positions and all kinds of places, it's a lifestyle. It's what we do because of who we are. It's just what we do. It's how we breathe. It's how we think. It's how we relate to God. It's how we relate to the people around us. It's how we have input into situations. We've covered a lot of information in this series and it's all, all, all very important. We need to know it and in fact, There's so much more that we need to know. Just at times when I've been studying and preparing these lessons, I thought this could go on for a lifetime because there's always something else. But there's always more that we need to know and understand. But hear me now. Praying is not about following a recipe. It's not about being sure that you get all of the form correct or that you say the right words. Prayer is about conversing with a loving father who will never leave you or forsake you. He is a merciful father. He is a forgiving father. He is a helpful father. And so get in your mind what this father is like. Don't compare him to earthly fathers. He's very, very different from earthly fathers, from most earthly fathers. Uh, So... The most important position of prayer is the position of your heart, position of your heart. What kind of position should my heart be in? Well, God asks for a humble heart, a truthful heart, a heart that is transparent before him, a heart that knows its dependence on God. There's so many things to talk to God about. And we learn to listen to him, not just talk with him. We learn to listen to him. And sometimes, you know, he guides us. Sometimes you just know in your heart what you need to do. Sometimes you just know that, but most often God will speak to us clearly through his word. That's why some, most of the time when we sit down to pray, if we have that assigned prayer time, We need to have our Bibles with us. We need to be ready to read, to look, and to listen, just like, you know, we're we're hearing him. We're listening to him. So he's going to speak to us through his word. But now let me tell you this. Get this. Get this for sure. Do not accept anything as absolute truth or as truth except what is spoken in the word of God. Do not accept anything as truth that is not spoken in the Word of God. Now, God will never, never give you an instruction or speak anything to you that is not in keeping with what is already written in this Word. So if you get some kind of bright idea or you have some thought, And it's not here. It didn't come from God. He will never, never turn away from the word that he's given to us. That's one of the exciting things about having the written word of God. It's eternal. It's sure. It's true. And so he's going to speak to us through that word. So be careful. That whenever you think God has spoken, you hold it up to the counsel of his word and see if it matches. Because he's not ever going to contradict his written word. The word that he has given to us, that he has protected for us through the ages. Because it is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. And it is sure, and it is eternal. And it is a gift to be able to Take a Bible up, read it, and let God speak to you through it. Well, what about God's answers? Have you ever had answered prayers or unanswered prayers? What about answers? Well, I believe that there are basically three categories of answers to prayer. First one is yes. Second one is no. The third one is wait. Yes, no, and wait. Now many of us may keep a prayer list. Prayer lists need to be kept in the context of a praying life. Uh, that prayer list fits into that praying life. It's not just, I keep a prayer list over here and then I go what I do what I wanna do the rest of the time and I just run back to that list from time to time. Nope. It, it needs to be in the context of a praying life. Now here's a good way to use a prayer list. Write down concerns that you have or even praises. You know, write down what's on your heart and date it. Put a date by it and write the date that you by an act of your will surrendered that to God for his purpose and his timing. Just say today by an act of my will, I surrender this to you. I surrender this to your ways, I surrender this to your purpose and your timing, and put a date by it. Then, don't watch to see if he answers, watch to see how he answers. What will he say? What will he do? How will he intervene? See, God does not always answer us like maybe our moms did when we were children and Maybe we would run in the kitchen and run up to her and say, uh, may I go outside? Or may I go to a friend's house? Uh, You might have gotten an immediate yes, you know, sure. Or you might have gotten, uh uh-uh, no. Or you might have gotten, mm, and I hated it, maybe. Or later. Or if you're like me, you might have gotten, go ask your daddy. God doesn't answer like that very much. I'm not going to say that he never does because we've seen some immediate answers to prayers. But God, God is involved with us. He is involved in our details. Remember that he is keeping the hairs on our heads counted. Most of us know the verse that says God numbers the hairs on your head. Well, what it literally says is he's keeping them counted. Now, I don't know about you, but when I brush my hair every morning, that number changes. And he's right there keeping them counted. So he is involved with what we've done. And so with God, we often have to wait for answers. And in our culture, if there's one thing we all hate, it's wait. But sometimes we have to wait for answers from God. Uh, Many of us know what it is like to be in an unexpected or unwanted uh, season of waiting. We may search for answers. If you're like me, I've been guilty of waiting while patting my foot. Waiting like we do in a doctor's office. Wait, wait, not liking to wait. That ain't the way to do it. It's in us. We have to try not to. What are we gonna do? We're gonna pray, Lord, Help me wait, because we may be ready to take the next step. We may be longing for miracles. We may be praying for breakthroughs. And it seems like he's not listening. Seems like he didn't hear a word, that he doesn't know a thing. And so it, just during these seasons, it may seem like nothing is happening. Now, oftentimes, God is putting together pieces He's connecting dots. Did you do that when you were a child? Get one of those coloring books that's got all of these numbered dots, and you draw from one to two to three to four to five, ever how many dots there are. And when you get done, you see what the picture is. Well, God connects dots. And so sometimes that's what our waiting is about. And so each one builds upon the next one. He puts those pieces together, and he's building something and it takes time. It takes time. It is one of the ways of God to walk progressively, to work progressively. You know, all through scripture, God's revelation of himself is progressive. Theologians talk about progressive revelation. If you start in Genesis and know what we know of God, and then continue to read through scripture, we see how he is progressively revealing himself by his names, by his behavior until finally Jesus comes and he continues to reveal himself and to tell you who he is and what he's about. So on your prayer list, you might want to just jot notes out there where you put the date. Just jot some notes as you see God moving pieces, as you see God putting pieces together. And so there are times when we can watch with just utter amazement. But we can ask God. I ask God lots of times. Show me your fingerprints. You know, give me something. Sometimes I need that assurance. I know you're here, but would you reveal something to me? Would you touch it? Now, but but here's what I want you to get because here is one thing for sure we can know in those times of waiting. Ready? God is always at work say the word always always god is always at work he is always working around you whether you can see it or not whether you know it or not um have you ever planted or seen the seedling of an oak tree i was thinking about this you know you may not notice a change in that seedling from one day to the next. But something's going on in that thing. And the day's going to come when all of a sudden it becomes a towering tree. What? Over a period of time. Why? Because God has been working in it every moment of every day, day after day, year after year. It's kind of like when my brother was little, he wanted to be tall. And so you know how these little guys are they back up to the doorpost and want you to put a mark for how tall they are. But then when they want to do it every day, the mark doesn't change much. But if you give it a little bit of time and then you put a mark, you begin to be able to see the growth. God's like that. He's involved in what, we do, what we're doing. Um, God's job is to work. Our job is to pray. He works, we pray. The delays and difficulties and answers to prayer are not final. God is not finished with us yet. He is not finished with the situation that you're holding before Him yet. He's not done. He's not finished. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't hear it, even when we can't feel it, God is working. God is working, and we can rest in that. So when we've got this attitude of waiting on God, like being in the waiting room and patting our foot, it's like, come on, come on, how long long is this going to take? We rest in God's full, undivided attention and the fact that He is working in ways we cannot see. He is always working. And the next truth you can write down is this. If God said it, he will do it. If God said it, he will do it. Prayer is a process. It's marked by gradual changes that lead toward a certain result. Gradual changes that lead toward a certain result. God has a loving and productive reason for a prayer process. During that time, we as praying people are brought more and more to a place of total submission to the Father. And as we walk this prayer life, as we're involved in this prayer life, as we develop this God consciousness, as we have this ongoing conversation with him, then he expands our vision. He deepens our hunger for him. He stretches our faith. He gives us his heart and his mind. And then when that happens, do you know what? We want more of him. The more we see of him, the more we want. The more we want of him, the more we pray. It all fits together. So, what do I do? First thing I'm going to do is to do what the disciples said and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. And I'm going to focus and meditate on all of these truths that we've been talking about in the study on how we pray powerful prayers, fervent prayers, genuine prayers. Lord, teach me how to pray. So you remember that he gave us information in the model prayer. Now I know, and I'm not criticizing the fact that we pray the Lord's prayer rotely a lot of times, but God has cautioned us and he says, don't pray rotely. You pray knowing what you're... When you pray the Lord's Prayer with a group, you think about what you're praying because it's a model. It's an outline for all kinds of prayers. So what do I do? I say, Lord, teach me to pray. When do I pray? Constantly. Constantly. I develop a praying life, a prayer walk. Even though there are going to be times in my life when I have those designated set-aside times to pray, purposeful prayers, just time to be quiet and spend time alone with the Lord. Um, or maybe we've had before in our community prayer walks through our community. Maybe you would, prayer drive may be better for you and you can just drive through a neighborhood and pray for that neighborhood and, and let God tell you what, whom to pray for, for whom to pray drive through there, and whatever the Lord puts on your heart, you pray. Or maybe your church, maybe you would walk around your church property, pray for your church, your school. Sometimes people in our community at the beginning of the school year will walk the school property, pray for protection, pray for the teachers, pray for the administration, pray for the students, pray for the staff. So there are going to be those times, and there are going to be those times when we pray before a meal and pray at bedtime. But during the day, even maybe when you're driving down the road, or even when you're sitting waiting for something else to happen, you're gonna talk to the Lord. Isn't it neat that He can read your mind? You don't have to pray all prayers out loud. I personally like it when I say it out loud. And this is for another day, but I believe Satan hears it. Now, Satan can put thoughts in your mind, but he cannot read your mind. So we're we're conscious of God. We're watching what He's doing. We're seeing where He's moving. We're looking for His fingerprints. And so then I'm going to pray constantly. What position do I take? I take my heart position. My heart position, I'm going to hold before the Lord a hungry, humble, seeking heart that has been cleansed. I'm gonna confess my sin and let him cleanse my heart so that the fellowship can be full, so that it's together. So my position is going to be my heart position. Then I'm going to watch and see how he will answer. Praying life its powerful. It brings peace, purpose, security, joy, anticipation. And what if we all did it? What if we all did it together? Let's remember to pray for one another. God bless you.